Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, today, I have a special bonus episode for you, because today we're introducing a new podcast, another podcast produced by RingDNA. Now, as soon as I'm done talking here, you'll hear the first episode of the RevOps Podcast. It's hosted by our very own Jordan Henderson, Brandon Redlinger, and Jonathan Stevens. So you might be asking yourself, why a podcast on revenue operations or RevOps? Well, more and more companies are embracing revenue operations as the answer to misaligned sales processes, people, and data that can lead to really significant inefficiencies. However, many people still have critical questions about RevOps. I mean, what processes and tools do I need? How do I structure my team? How do I measure outcomes across sales, marketing, and customer success? And what are some of the best practices for doing that? Well, your hosts will deliver unfiltered, thought-provoking discussions and actionable takeaways on every episode about the ideas, the processes, and technology changing the B2B landscape with revenue operations. All right, let's jump into it. Hey, everyone. I'm Jordan Henderson, and welcome to the RevOps Podcast. I'm joined today by Jonathan Stevens and Brandon Redlinger. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? All right. Today, I want to talk about RevOps. No way. Should we talk know, about RevOps? Right? Isn't Let's that, change subjects. Isn't that <laughs> uncanny? But in all seriousness, the, the past couple of weeks, I've had a lot more questions about RevOps than, than I have, which, which I've typically over the past years gotten a lot of questions along the lines of like, what is RevOps? Like, define it for me. And, and recently, I, by the way, I get really annoyed about that. Um, recently, I've gotten a lot more questions about like, why would I have RevOps or uh, how do I structure it or when do I need it and why is it important? Which are, it's a really nice transition, right? We're transitioning from what is the thing to the actual procedural or operational strategic purpose behind it. Um, so, th- so that's actually what I want to talk about today is, is, is a couple of things. RevOps, when do you need it? How to structure it? How to get started in general, right? And and myself as a, you know, a RevOps leader, I have a lot of strong opinions on this matter, but I would never want to kick off revenue operations at a company without getting some insights from my marketing leaders or my sales leaders because they're going to have to work really closely with this new functionality and this new framework that you're, you're implementing. So I think it's going to be a really interesting topic to get a couple of marketers' perspectives, particularly marketing ops and product marketing, around when you would need it and what it is. But before we dive too deep into the thing, because that was me saying a lot of words, does anybody want to define revenue operations? Operational oh, revenue. I should have known this is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Operational revenue. You knew I was going to ask this yeah, question. I know, exactly. You should have come prepared with an answer to this question. Operationalizing the Does any- revenue driving engines within a company and keeping them all together. Yeah, I mean, it's roughly right. It's not as good as Brandon's SDR <laughs> definition, but but better better not than as good every as other my definition. You, definition. Yeah, better either. than your customer success definition. <laughs> not that. <laughs> but, 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 so 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 my definition of it was typically something along the lines of revenue operations is a methodology that calls for the unification of the go to market option ops functions into one rev ops team that meets your buy, makes your GTM experience meet your buyer where they are. Right, matching it to the buyer's journey. Um, why would a company 
have this right like we, we've we've had years where people just had sales ops marketing ops really came to light in the past probably what 15 years as like a, a really key functionality um wh- why would somebody need revenue operations anybody yeah anybody i think have ideas? Uh, in my opinion it's revenue operations is still very new so a lot of companies that don't have revenue operations the marketing operations role sometimes will act in kind of that function as that liaison between sales and marketing Whereas like the revenue operations can be one step further in that where they report into kind of not report into, but kind of are more involved in the sales process and the finance process than the marketing operations role might be. You're, you're, you're totally right. And I think you're you're answering a question that I'm going to ask you in a minute, but I'm thinking high level right now, like why is a business what I want to have operations? And I'm thinking of things like if, if a CEO actually called me today and we had a quick 20 minute chat, he was like, I'm thinking about implementing revenue operations. What do I do? Why, why do I need it? And I was like, improve your buying experience, maximize your return on ad spend, increase your revenue, decrease your churn. Like these, these are reasons why you'd have revenue operations, right? Well, I, I, so for me, the main reason is just to make sure every team internally is aligned, right? Like that's, I, I think that's but how do you know, how do you know, how do you know when those that's true, right? D- yeah. Yeah. Fair. Right. Fair. Yeah. You, you yeah. have to, you have to show that that's true by increasing revenue growth. Like there, there's, right. there's, there's very few metrics that can show that you're aligned, but you know, like they exist, but, but yeah, it's totally. Well, you can have um, a really good sales team and great revenue, but they're entirely disconnected mm-hmm. from marketing. Yeah. Which would be very hard to do by the way. Cause your sales team would, you'd have to have like a really good product and a really good sales team, but then it's just <laughs> yeah. even a bigger disconnect from marketing. Cause if you have a great product and your marketing team can't handle it, mm-hmm. oof, whoopsie doodle, <laughs> move on. <laughs> um, but, but like in general, just to be better, like you. Even if your company is doing well, just be better. You know, yeah. Be a better I think company. it's also it's more of like a stopgap too. It's like it's preventing you from standing up disparate tools and preventing you from not being aligned. So I think a lot of it's more of kind of making sure things are aligned by not allowing things to go off the rails. So, so that's actually a really good segue, right? So, so if I'm a company. I'm looking at thing my my business and in my opinion most companies if not all need revenue operations at some point. Um, so so it's not even you know why why do I need this or do I need this it's when do I need this at what point do I need somebody in an operations role to do some of the things that particularly Jonathan that you just mentioned and and, and I'd love to hear from you guys if you if I came to you as a CEO and I said I'm w- wondering if I need revenue operations can I ask you some questions. What things would you want to know about my business to know whether or not I need revenue operations or what would what what, what would you tell me is when I need revenue operations? I'd say data integrity is a big one, making sure like how clean is your data, how focused is your team on being able to align on a centralized revenue report even, like is your finance team using a completely different tool than your sales team for reporting? Say more about that, right? Like I, I, what I'm hearing is you say something around the lines of like do you have processes in place to make sure your data stays clean? That you have uniform data and not just like an absolute conglomerate of yep. crappy data. Yep. Including just the tools you're using too. So not only aligning the data, but are your tools in a position where they're all going to be able to be aligned data without a huge IT process of implementation and integration? So if you, I'm the CEO, I'm asking you this and you, you say that to me and I say, you know what? 
yeah, our data is not super aligned. Our tools are, you know, they're integrated via APIs, but, you know, I don't really think they're mapping super well. Is that enough? Is that enough for you to be like, you need to go hire an ops person tomorrow? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? That, that's it. That's all it takes from you. You're yeah. like, ops it. Let's get him in here. You you don't care if I was like, whoa, 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 but I only have, you know, one salesperson, one marketer, and three three engineers. Well, when you make it that way, then no. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, see, there you go. It's, it's a more complex <laughs> quick Q&A what? than just is your data clean, right? Well, I, I don't think it's that far off, though. Like, so, so when I'm thinking of, like, when do I add marketing ops to my marketing team? Because I've been in that position before, right? The first marketing hire. And all right, I, I, have, I have headcount this year. Who do I hire? I'm usually like, well, it's like, do do we have campaigns in market right now? Do we do we have salespeople where we're passing leads and and uh, accounts too? Um, and if if that's the like, usually I'm doing a lot of the legwork. Like I'm a, I'm a generalist. Maybe I hire another generalist. But like right after that, I want ops. Like I, it, before product marketing, I, I might have just lost a few friends that <laughs> <laughs> disowned from a few product marketing communities. But like I, I really think product or uh, ops is like that essential because like I, I want to know all my systems are talking to each other. I want to know um, are the leads actually being routed in the right place? Like the, the proper things happening to the leads. I want to make sure that every piece like all the data that I'm passing to sales is good, is clean data because I can build that relationship with sales, build that trust with sales better from the, the beginning. And, and then after that, it's like, sure. Like, yeah, right after that, I would put product marketing. So. <laughs> right after that. that. <laughs> like eighth hire right at the company is like, product marketing. And, Got it. Exactly. And exactly. So, right right but so, so, so the things... I want to add to that. Oh, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan, <laughs> whoa, 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 Jonathan's whoa, whoa, vocal whoa, whoa, today. Whoa, whoa. What is happening? <laughs> I need to get my points in. <laughs> So to add to that, also, from an operational standpoint, if you've got a lot of different things on your plate, like as a product marketer who's also working as a generalist, you're not going to have the time to go in and dig like when something breaks in the night or along those lines. So like, I think when you have somebody who's actually able to focus on things, that's really the win for the operations department. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because you usually have a lot of systems. Like, yeah, again, like you're using APIs and you're using um, like... Uh, what what is that one called? Um, Zapier. Zapier. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that shit breaks, and it's like that's that's not my forte. You've like, used, you've want, used up all your guy. zaps for the month, and you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> totally. Um, so, so, like, I, I want someone to be able to like dig into that mm-hmm. shit for me. It's not know? a glorious yeah, job totally. by any means, but <laughs> I, I, so, so I will disagree with that. Cause one thing that you guys are talking about a lot is, is uh, ops from a tactical standpoint, right? Which, mm-hmm. which is a very important piece of revenue operations. You are a very tactical person. You're digging into things, you're integrating everything. I also think it's really important to get them in for strategic purposes because they're mm-hmm. going to come in and identify problems and think of solutions that you're not going to otherwise think of because they have experience doing these things. Whereas you might be stop gapping with Zapier, they might know of products and other things or ways to do things that you don't, and they will strategically guide your company in that way. And so yeah. that part of the job is actually kind of glorious because in that regard, you are you know a leader. You're coming in, you're a leader in a business because you're you're taking some ownership over the GTM approach. And so, uh, but but to sort of circle back to what you guys are saying, so 
Because it was a lot. You guys said a lot. And before I sent you, before this podcast, I sent you, hey, we're going to talk about this. And you guys were like, yeah, I don't know if I'll have much to say. So um, here, we are. here we are. And I can't even keep you off the mics. So I want to I wanna sort of like succinctly drive home, you know, the things that I would think about if I was a CEO trying to decide if I, you know, want need revenue operations. I think data hygiene is super important. You know, do I have a uniform database? Do I have a system of record that's allowing me to provide the same insights into anything for different teams, marketing, sales, customer success, finance across the board? Uh, beyond that, when I, when I think about things like my connection points between sales and marketing, am I, you know, properly routing leads? Do I have holes in my funnel and the connection points? Am I creating upstream feedback loops that allow my marketing team to improve based on sales results? So on and so forth. Um, things like how fast am I responding to leads? What's my conversion rate? Do I have, you know, structures in place to make sure that leads are even getting routed in the first place? Um, do I need those things? Do I have a marketing budget? Do I have campaigns? Do I have salespeople to field leads? Those are also very important questions. If the answer to any of those is no, you probably don't need ops. You probably need salespeople or marketers or marketing budget. Uh, but, but I would sort of look at it as that sort of touch on all the points holistically of what you guys were going down. Yeah, I think so. Well said, well said. It was a lot. So if anybody <laughs> wants to succinctly type that up and send it back to us, I'm sure yeah. somebody can spend the time to write that a little bit better than I just said. Uh, but but I think I think that's, it's, wow, we're going to get back to this again. It depends is the answer to the oh, question. Okay. It is. It depends on a lot of things though, right? And I think lead size, campaigns, all those sorts of things are very important. Um, so, so, so let's assume this. You guys, I'm st- I'm still the guy. I'm telling you, I still think I need revenue operations. We, we've had a conversation. We've said we've concluded all the answers to yes, we do need revenue operations here. How the heck do I get started? Right? Like how how where do I start? Do what what do I do? Do I top down it? Do I bottom up it? Do I go find a senior revenue operations leader and then? you know, have him come in and build a team? Do I go hire a sales ops person and a marketing ops? I see like a couple individual contributors and then find a senior revenue operations leader to come in a few months down the road. Do I just promote somebody? Like, what do you guys recommend? What would you prefer? You, you, you say you're, a, you know, you're in the roles you're in now and you don't have a rev ops person. What would you rather see a company do? So I, I, I really do think like it, it's got to, it's got to be someone who's who's done the job before and like is currently coming from doing that job. Early um, employees, like really early on, I, I feel like they like you, you can't hire someone who's like a leader who's running a team of honestly, like even two or three people. Right. It's like those people love to just like sit back and tell other people what to do. It's like, no, just just go hire someone who's going to do the freaking work and then hire someone with ambition and then say, um, you know, here's our goal for the role in the next year, two years, three years. And it is building a team, but you need someone who is actually doing the work first and then who um, who can grow into like more of a management role. Um, if, if that's where you're going with, you know, revenue operations. Um, and then that way, like they've done the job before they know what it takes. They can actually hire someone who, you know, I mean, kind of backfill their, their, their own headcount as they like move up. Right. Like, I, I think it's really someone who's in the weeds who can do the work. So when you're, when you're, when you're thinking of like that, you're thinking like rev ops, sales ops, or marketing ops, just bring somebody in. That's an IC that's actually going to like 
do the work. Individual contributor for our listeners, by the way, when I say IC. Bring, bring somebody in who's like an IC or like an ops manager. Bring them in and just let them loose for a while. Yeah, exactly. Like, look for someone who is at a startup or not not someone who was at a startup a while ago and now they've been at a big company for the last five years, right? It's like someone who, uh, so so I think I think that I was actually talking with someone else about this, like the, the perfect person is the person who just did, who just went through what your company is going through like a year or two ago, like just went through it and is at maybe like where you want to be in a year. Not where you want to be at in five years. Not where you want to be at in ten years. It's where you, it's like kind of that next step that you're going to be at. Like I, I think too many people hire like these these leaders or these people who have gone through the whole you know startup to IPO before. But it's like that they did that ten years ago. That's not re- like most of this is not relevant anymore. Like that's great that they did that then, <laughs> and then now they kind of want to just sit back and lead a team, and you know, want a whiteboard thing. So the, I, I get your, I hear your point, and I actually don't totally disagree with you. I'm maybe fifty fifty on this question. I don't think I'm as passionate one way as you are, and and my, because I hear what you're saying. Bring in you know a more individual contributor, somebody who's been doing these things actually in the weeds, doing it. There's a there's a difficult thing in RevOps though that that comes with that, which is RevOps people have to work with senior leadership very very closely. Like you're in the weeds with. C-suite, you have to have executive buy-in and, and pull and, and actually be able to, you know, basically sell executives on the idea of this whole framework and foundation and methodology and that we're going to make all these fundamental changes in the way teams work and definitions and goals and making sure that we're aligned. And it is really hard for somebody who hasn't had leadership experience or, you know, significant leadership experience to come into a company with COO, CEO, CRO, and a CSO and a CMO and convince all these people with C in front of their name that this is a great idea. And 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 I see I think I've seen that quite a few times when people everybody has to make that jump at some point, right? From from going to IC to like leadership. And that's a tough transition to make in itself, but when you do it jumping that far up, it gives me concerns. Now, I also share your concerns with going and hiring somebody that, you know, is a senior exec from a former company that IPO'd 10 years ago and they <laughs> led them through great job. Yeah. Like Salesforce was the only sales tool when you did that. There are a thousand of <laughs> yeah. them now. It is a different landscape. So I do share your concern there. But but uh, for me, it's it's uh, I would prefer somebody that's somewhere in the middle. They've got middle management experience because at least then they can grow into that role. But they also I, I would give them the autonomy to go find somebody that's, you know, actually a true IC to work under them and help them operationalize some things while they can manage up because managing up is a very huge piece of the role for me. But totally see your point. Any objection to my pushback? Uh, um, well, Maybe maybe not an objection. Um, I I think that's I think that would be right if yeah if you do have two like headcount for ops right. Um, but probably m- the majority of companies are like not not quite at that point. They're like I want one ops person because I also need product marketing. Which yeah, you absolutely <laughs> <laughs> need. Don't approach this conversation of how marketing. can I create jobs for my colleagues. <laughs> I got to make up some goodwill here. You You need at least seven Um, ops people before you need a product marketing person. Everybody knows that. That's seven to one ratio. Everybody knows. Uh, But like, um, well, I think also though, like if, if you are really early on like that, you, you probably don't have a CMO. Maybe you have like a, 
director of marketing. You, you probably don't have a CSO. Maybe it's just like a VP of sales or head of sales. Same with success. Same with like you probably don't have a CF. You definitely don't have a CFO by then, right? Um, so you're probably not having as many of these high, super high level conversations. And I think in that case, like high hire for potential there. Yeah. You know, I think that'll go into the job description is, does this person have executive presence in the interview? Yeah. And do you think that'll transfer to, you know, conversations with your your CEO and anyone else involved? Yeah. And, and you do have the added bonus, I guess, of, of that scenario of if you get it wrong and that person isn't cut out for leadership, which is totally fine. People can be individual contributors. Then you can, as you grow, hire a manager for them that will be that totally, senior yeah. leader, right? And so you can backfill yep. that role. So so in that scenario, you're sort of purely doing the the bottom-up approach to building your revenue operation, which which then when you hire a revenue operations person, they'll come in and hopefully have some foundation in place, like a clean data system and some integrated softwares and et cetera, right? Um, they won't, it won't be perfect because that person wasn't senior enough to like really get the job done, but they were, they <laughs> sure. were bootstrapping it. So that's all right. Um, good, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, I mean, it's, you, you're, you're better off than you were if you'd have waited, right? Like that's, it was, it was worth the investment. So that, that makes sense to me. I, I like that answer. You might've, you might've swayed me in your direction a little bit on this one. So yeah, you were, you right. were right. This one time <laughs> is what I'll concede I, I, to I, you. I didn't need LinkedIn Just this, to yeah, also confirm. Barely. Um, all right. So, so anyways, all right. Now, but now I want to hear from a marketing ops person. Same, same answer. How, how do you start? Where do you get started? Yeah, that's a, that's a really tricky one and not because of the desire to find the person, but I think it's more just the availability of ops people in general. So rev ops and mark ops can be defined in some ways as unicorn, just because there are not a lot out there of them are getting groomed out of college like it's, it's really something that you just kind of fall into by different circumstances different companies kind of put you in that role and then you grow into it so given that i think it is important that you kind of keep a, a little more fluidity into your search so that you're looking for all different levels and if you happen to find a really high level that's really good awesome but don't hold out for that because you might not find anybody for a while so you're, you're sort of where I was before Brandon convinced me to be slightly otherwise, which is it doesn't, it, do, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Just keep an open mind. And, and if you find the right fit for your company, whether that's senior, middle or junior, jump on them right away and either grow them into the role or allow them to add headcount, that sort of thing. That's sort of where you're at. I probably wouldn't go the junior route. I'd probably do middle or senior, but yeah, the junior route. Could ah, be. Ah, all right. Now, now we're, so you two are just boom, just <laughs> hating each other right now. I love it. I think the junior route say is, more, say more. is just a higher risk because you're trying to figure out if they even have the chops and then you end up hiring them, realize, okay, they're good at like building emails, but integrating software is not their forte or, you know, certain things. You've got to be kind of a multi-instrumentalist in the operations role. So You've got to have chops all over the place and you've got to be a very quick learner and you've got to be able to teach yourself things. So that doesn't really come naturally to a lot of people. They kind of have to build that skill set. So I think coming in at, as a junior, they might find they hate it after you know a year and then you're back to square one. That's true. 
That's a that's a good point. Maybe you're swaying me back to where I was to start because 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 there there is there is a thing that when you're a junior ops person and, and Jonathan, you and I have both been there. Brandon, you haven't because you're a product marketer. Uh, but uh, but but uh, when you're a junior ops person, it is really important as you're sort of learning the role and doing all these like in depth strategic things that you have somebody above you to sort of create that bubble of of solitude for you to work and learn within right and develop those skills while, while they sort of handle that managing up and lateral management for you mm-hmm. um gives you this space well, I, I don't i don't think junior and ic necessarily mean different things right so you you are like you can i i know plenty of people who are really great ic's that are like mid-career right they're, they're just like I'm cool with being an IC. Like, I don't want to have the stress of management. I don't want to deal with bureaucracy. Just, I, I'm, I'm good with being an IC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting the audience know that you raised your hand. <laughs> don't try to go hire uh, Jonathan. If you come after him, I will hunt you down. <laughs> no, no, but I, what I, the way I was thinking of it is not like junior equals IC. I was thinking of it from a leadership level. Right. Like junior leadership, junior in leadership, not and ICs would typically be junior in leadership because they're not they, they're doing the IC work because they don't want a leadership role. Even if they're mid career, they're probably, you know, you could be very senior. You'd be 30 years in your career and be an IC. And in fact, I, I know a lot of people, like you said, that, that do that and they're very, very happy. Totally. That's yeah. great. But they don't want a leadership yep. role. They, they would they would hate the idea of being in a leadership role. Jonathan, you can raise your hand again <laughs> if you want. Um, but, but, <laughs> but not saying that is you. But but um, so then I wouldn't want to bring them in to put them in, you know, what is going to be a leadership role because that's not going to work and they're not going to like it they're going to hate it yeah Um, and some some companies will put a person in that leadership role and then everyone above them has no idea what marketing operations is and they are just set up for failure off the get-go especially a larger company is trying to figure it out they don't really have an understanding of like what happens in the day-to-day and it just our uh our our producer alec has typed LinkedIn ops because he manages all of our LinkedIn's and I think he wants some credit in the moment. I think that would be like, <laughs> LinkedIn ops. I think, I think that's the last ops role you bring in, but like probably two, two roles above product marketing. Well, where does, I think where does, like at least whoa, two whoa, roles whoa, ahead whoa. of product marketing. <laughs> where, where does podcast ops come in? <laughs> but podcast ops is one of those two roles that's ahead Damn of product it. marketing. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. This is super, super interesting. Any other sort of thoughts on, on that question? Top down, bottom up? Uh, not, not necessarily, but I don't know where you're going next, but I feel like it might be helpful to talk about like, what, what do you look for in your first hire? Like, how do you actually hire that person? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a curious question because I don't actually have an answer to it because I am a RevOps person. So I'm usually the person getting hired. I've never hired for a first RevOps That's person you. because yeah. if I'm at the company, it's not the first <laughs> RevOps person. So so I don't I don't necessarily know, but the things that the things that I would typically tell people are executive presence is very important. Context switching is very, very important. I would actually uh, tend to tell people to try to find somebody that has, you know, sales ops experience is very important. It's also quite easy to find. Somebody that has some marketing experience is is very difficult. Marketing ops people are, are sort of a rare breed um and they they're 
people that have both are an even rarer breed, right? And, and I think that's very important coming in as that first hire, that they've got some exposure to one or the other. Otherwise, when they come in and they feel overwhelmed and they feel lost, they're just going to default to the thing that they know the best. And they're just going to basically you know create a sales ops person or a marketing ops person rather than actually covering both sides. So those would be like the key things that I would push on people. Um, but yeah. And, but I, like I said, I've never <laughs> hired for a new, a first, first hire rev ops person. So I don't really know. Um, in my experience though, on the second question, like top down or bottom up, I've done both by the way, I've been like the senior, rev, like the ops person that came in and was, there was nobody there and I built it out and I've joined a company where they had ops people in place and then sort of like joined the team and, you know, led it collaboratively and, and they'd had some pieces in place. I prefer the latter. Um, and that's actually like Jonathan and I, Jonathan started at ring DNA, what, like six months before I did probably. Um, and, and had done a whole bunch of work on the marketing ops side and, and Matt was doing a whole bunch of work on the sales ops side and people were doing things. So when I joined, I didn't have to worry as much about like, can I make sure the data is aligned? Like, we, yes, there was a lot of work to do there, but they'd already kickstarted that process. So I got to come in and actually be more strategic than tactical at the start, which when you're the first one in the door as a senior leader, you get pulled back into all this tactical stuff. And then it's hard to get yourself back to a point where the rest of the team sees you as strategic. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. And you do need to be seen as strategic. Yeah. And so w- once you're tactical, once the C-suite sees you as tactical, they're going to see you as tactical, right? And so, so that's, I, I would prefer the latter if I was, a, well, I do, I'm a senior RevOps leader. If I'm going to get hired by a company, I want them to have some ops in place. I don't want to join a company that doesn't have. Ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's an po- important point to note, especially as you're hiring, if you're looking at a senior person, be very clear that, you know, they don't, you don't, maybe don't have any people in place and they're going to be starting from the ground up because that's information that you don't want to blindside with them with on day one. Exactly. Yeah. That you're going to set them up for failure and you're going to set yourself up for failure. Yeah. They're just going to mm-hmm. churn out in three months and hate you. And then you have to start from scratch and they're not going to have done anything and you're going to have paid them a lot of money. So it doesn't yeah. really, it makes sense to go down that rabbit hole. Transparency is important. <laughs> very important. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Any other Last questions or thoughts on this one? I don't think so. That's a, I think we that it. was a very deep. That was a very deep <laughs> breath. It that sounds was, like you have more. <laughs> like, can we? Can we please? You were pregnant with thought right there, but then nothing came out. <laughs> we all no, paused. We all paused, waiting. All right, everybody's favorite thing this week on LinkedIn. So what do we got? I got to I think I feel like I have a pretty good one that's wildly off base, but something I think you guys will both be like maybe mildly passionate about. So we'll we'll find (laughs) out. Um, But this week on LinkedIn, uh, there was a post one of my colleagues put out, which included a stat, which was only 22 percent of SDRs that become AEs get near or hit their quota. So somebody messaged me, an SDR that I that I really, really respect, who has actually just been promoted to AE at, at a new gig, and he's one of the best SDRs I've worked with. Um, he messaged me as an SDR, about to take the leap into a junior AE role. This is a little, that stat is a little intimidating. He liked my advice, which I commented on the post, of leaning on your ops and enablement team, for but for teams that don't have that yet, which is his concern. His team doesn't have an ops and enablement team. What would you tell him to do? to be in that 22% who are actually going to achieve their quota as AEs transitioning from SDRs. And Brandon, you managed SDRs. You told us that fun fact. What would be your advice to him to be in that 22%? So, so is it, is the stat 
um, like their first quarter, only 22% hit their quota? Yeah, call it the first year. Oh, the first year? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so, yeah. So, I mean, I go back to when I actually transitioned from an SDR to an AE. And that actually, my, my very first month, uh, I, I don't even know if I hit quota or not that month, to be honest. But I, I remember I was like second to last person as an AE. And then after that, I, I was at the top every single freaking quarter. But um, the, the thing that I did was like, sure, I, I, I you were. <laughs> sure. Dude, I, I crushed it. Yeah. I, 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 I was actually at the top every quarter after that. I believe you. Um, I believe you. But um, like, I, I worked my freaking ass off. That's what I did. Like, I was shadowing all the time. I was um, like, I was the first person in the office. I was the last person out of the office. Um, our, our VP actually every Friday, he's like, I come in at seven o'clock AM and I, and I review calls. Anyone, anyone can actually come and do that with me. I was the only person who always came in at seven o'clock on a Friday to review calls with him. And it's like, it's honestly, it's just like putting in the work. I, I think the, the, um, aside from just like being the hardest worker, is I think just like reviewing more calls mm. than anyone else, like listening to calls. What are the people who are hitting their quota? What are they doing? Also, like, what are the people at the bottom doing? How do you not do some of that stuff? Right? Like, it's, it's true. Uh, yeah. Um, practicing imperfectly implies permanence, right? Like, if you, you if you do things wrong and don't know that they're wrong, then that will be, you will be permanently wrong. And so learning the things that you know, bad reps are doing to make sure you're not doing them exactly. is very, very important. <laughs> exactly. So, so one of the key things you mentioned there, though, is, is call recordings. And obviously, Ring DNA, we, we listen to a lot of call recordings because we sell a product that you know, does Buy call it. recordings, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Cute. But, but, but I, like, it's, it's so important because do the work, which is the thing you said that, that I totally agree with, right, isn't just like make the calls, do the meetings. It's do the extra things to learn how to be better at the job. That's the actual work, right? And that can be call recordings, that can be sitting in on calls, that can be listening to what doesn't work or joining every training session or going back to your sales enablement tool or asking for extra coaching time with your manager or, or whatever that might be. That's actually the work you need to do is, is sort of what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would say, yeah, the, the two best things was just getting more coaching from the VP. And yeah, just listening to myself because he doesn't have, you know, extra hours in his day just to spend his time with branded you know that'd be great but. wait so did you did you listen to mostly your own calls or did you listen to other reps mostly like what was your split um for with the vp or on my own on your own yeah that was mainly other people's calls okay that okay was i was gonna say calls. i i would it would be hard to listen to your voice for six hours yeah, a day too absolutely. i know i know <laughs> I can't listen to your voice at all. It it is hard. Hard. I can't either. I can't. <laughs> it is really tough. I know. And then, you know, Jonathan comes in with that smooth baritone. I know. <laughs> so I'm like, it's a good thing he barely speaks. So that it doesn't. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, but I, I think that's really good advice, right? Like, do the work, listen to your calls, like every calls, listen to your other reps' calls, good and bad take notes, feedback, study, just be a study, like a student of sales, realistically. Yeah, well, well, I think you bring up a good point. I do think you need to be listening to your own mm -hmm. calls too, right? Like yeah. I did that more with the VP, but I, I like, I, I know it's super freaking uncomfortable. Everyone 
hates the sound of their own voice, but you learn so much just listening to your own calls, right? Like you play back in your head what happened on the call and then you listen to it and you're like, oh, that came across different. Or, oh, you know what? I didn't say that. Like I thought I said that, right? Like you, you need that game tape of your own freaking calls too. Yeah, like it's that totally. real. It's it's the feedback for yourself. Otherwise, yeah, you think you could be saying something, you think it could be landing, but when you step back, it's not landing with that prospect. So it's like, all right, how do I rework that? Yeah, totally, totally agree. Uh, Jonathan, same question: How do you get into that twenty two percent that hits quota? Yeah, I'd say one of the bigger things, like especially that I see out of new SDRs, especially, is they they typically will take the spray and pray approach. They'll just pulling the dials and just hope for the best and they don't really reiterate they don't look back at you know their successes and their failures and try to analyze what went right and what went wrong so i think to brandon's point that is super critical to really just listen back to yourself and how you're coming off and really listen to how they sound on the other end of the phone and are they engaged and if they're not then why aren't they are you not asking the right questions are you not really being engaging enough, it, you know, your attitude is especially, I know like some strategies like put a mirror up and make sure like you're smiling and you look like you're, you're happy because sometimes you'll just kind of be in a, a drone state when yep. you're dialing a hundred times a day and you got to get out of that drone state because they're going to hear it on the other end and you're going to not have as much success. Yeah. Standing, standing up, bending your elbows to 90 degrees, all these things work. Right. And, and mm. even past like cold calling, if you're on demos, don't be like leaned back in a chair, all relaxed and stuff. Like make sure you have the energy. It's some simple things like that that you pick up on the way that I think are important, um, which are, which are all good tips. And then of course, coaching we've already discussed is, is like listening to your own call recordings. The, the other one that, that I mentioned to, to the SDR who reached out to me with this concern was that um, just at bats, just pure at bats, like take as many discovery calls as you can get, take as many demos as you can get. They don't even have to be that, that real. I even messaged him cause he sells a product that I'd be interested in someday. I don't have an interest in it right now, but I was like, I, I'll take a discovery call with you. Like just give me one, like let's set it up. Ask your network, like who will do a fake discovery call with me, a mock one with external voices so I can hear more. And, and honestly, you probably will sell one of them a deal. Anyways, it's probably a good way to create some pipeline when you're first starting out. Uh, but, but like, it's just pure at bats. Even if you get a marketing lead, that's maybe not going to be a super great opportunity for you. Take the at bat, take the call, get the practice in that way you have something to listen to. That's, that's actually good for you to coach yourself on. Cause at bats are super important. You can study game tape all you want, but until you actually get in that batter's box, it's not going to feel real. And that's super important. So, um, cool. I think that's, that's super helpful. Anything else you guys want to add to that? No, I like it. Mm-hmm. So Alec, Alec, if you can summarize what we've just said into a succinct paragraph for me to send to that <laughs> SDR for us, that that would be that would be a total LinkedIn ops role, which we've already established is very important. Absolutely, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, I'm going back to earlier when you said, you know, what uh, what would mm. change if uh, there was no rev ops role. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go ahead and mute you because totally your audio is really bad <laughs> again. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, Go back uh, to driving your trolley. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Wherever we found you, we're going to drop you back off there after this call, I think. <laughs> oh, no, he's unmuted. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I think that's it for us today. Guys, any other last thoughts on today? Otherwise, uh, anybody who's listening, if you have LinkedIn questions you want to send us or topics you want to hear about, please message us directly. Message them to me. I'm actually responsive on LinkedIn. Brandon and Jonathan are basically ghosts. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Uh, but otherwise, thanks everybody, and, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my, I guess, call them guest hosts, Jordan Henderson, Brandon Redlinger, and Jonathan Stevens, for sharing their insights about RevOps with us today. If you enjoyed their podcast, please subscribe to it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>